Viewers from all over the world send in their creepy and allegedly true scary stories. Sometimes it's hard to find topics to put them all into. So in today's episode, I'm going to be reading various scary stories that don't normally fit into my videos, and I hope you enjoy them. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or r slash thedarkswamp on reddit. Are you 50 or older, or are you close to someone that is? If so, listen up. If you're listening to this Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance Sponsorship ad, there's a good chance that you're alive, and if you're not, well, this may not be of interest to you. Now, I know what you're thinking. Life insurance? I'm gonna live forever. Death is what happens to other people. Well, for the sake of argument, let's assume you're wrong and that someday you won't be listening to podcasts anymore. I know, it's not easy to talk about, so I'll do the talking. If you're 50 plus and alive or 50 to 75 in New York, you can apply for Gerber Life Guaranteed Life Insurance with guaranteed acceptance regardless of your health. And since this life insurance is guaranteed, you don't have to get a medical exam. In fact, you don't even have to fill out a health questionnaire. For a free quote, just visit GerberLifeFamily.com. Then when you stop, I mean if you stop listening to these podcasts, your family can use the insurance money to help cover your final expenses or anything else. Your kids already inherited your ears, allergies, and questionable singing voice. Don't make them inherit your final expenses tab too. See website for terms and restrictions. The Man with No Thumb by Winter Warlock I've only ever shared my paranormal experiences with a very select few friends in real life, but I have quite a few good ones. I would kind of like to tell them for people to discuss and enjoy. This first one is my very first experience ever, and I was too young to really appreciate it in its full gravity. I'll warn you now, it starts off very sad, but the ending will be worth it. Some of this is my memory and some of this is filled in by my mother because I was kind of young. When we were very young, my older brother got cancer lymphoma. It was six at the time and I was three. Even so, I do have a few scattered memories of him, and we were inseparable. The doctors and my parents tried everything they could, but his young body could not handle the aggressive treatment required to cure him. He passed away at just six. My father dove deep into alcoholism to cope, and my mother became super busy trying to support the family, paying the medical bills, and planning her son's funeral. Without my brother to play with, I would seclude myself in our room upstairs sitting alone playing with my toys. I do distinctly remember a very comforting old man coming to play with me sometimes. He would dress like an old farmer, leather boots and all, but he didn't have a thumb on his right hand. I didn't think anything of it because the old man seemed really nice. My mother heard me talking while I was playing upstairs and just assumed I was goofing around. When I came downstairs, she would always ask who I was talking to. I would always say, the man with no thumb. She let it go at the time, but thought it was strange that I made up an imaginary friend that didn't have a thumb. Fast forward a few weeks and I'm upstairs playing with the man. My grandma had come by to check on us after everything that the family had been through. She asked my mom who I was talking to upstairs. The man with no thumb, according to him. My grandma turned white and called me downstairs. She asked me to describe the man, and I described him in great detail. His face, his clothes, everything right down to the missing right thumb. My grandma knew from the description that I should probably tell my grandpa. So I described the man to my grandpa and he was speechless. I described his father, his face, his demeanor, and the thumb he lost in a farming accident on the family farm. 
The family farm was sold before I was even born, and I didn't even know that my family had that type of background. My great-grandfather also died far before I was ever born, and she never knew what he looked like, hence why she didn't catch on at first. I didn't see him much after that, but my whole life growing up, I do remember occasionally hearing heavy boots walking around the house. It's always a comfort to know he's still checking up on me. Man in the Wardrobe by Josh C. I was around five years old. My bedroom was the smallest room in the house, which I had a single bed and a wardrobe that used to belong to my older brother who had since left home to join the army. One night, I was watching TV laying in my bed, and I suddenly had this overwhelming feeling that someone was watching me. So I looked over my left shoulder to my door, and there was no one there. As I looked back at the TV, I thought to myself, just saw something in the wardrobe. I looked back at the wardrobe, but it was closed, so I shrugged it off and carried on watching TV until I eventually fell asleep. That night, I had a nightmare about a weird figure standing in my wardrobe, and I woke up sweating and crying, so I ran to my parents' room and told them I felt sick. When I was that age, if I was ill, I would be able to sleep downstairs with my mom, so I used this as an excuse to not sleep in my room that night. The next night, again, I was watching TV in my room, and by the time the video I was watching had finished, it was dark outside, and I didn't have a light on, so the room went completely dark, except for two white lights coming from the gap between the wardrobe doors. Terrified. I ran to my parents again, and said I felt sick, so I spent the night downstairs again. After a few nights of nothing happening, I almost forgot about what had happened entirely, so I fell asleep quite quickly, but this scratching noise woke me up. All that was lighting my room at this point was the night light from the moon coming in through my window. The scratching was clearly coming from the wardrobe, but I thought maybe it was just my sister in the next room or something. But I stayed sitting up in my bed staring at this wardrobe. After what felt like hours, but was probably only just 30 seconds, I started to turn away and the doors creaked open. I quickly turned on my TV, which showed static. This pretty much lit up the entire room as it was so small. I looked straight into the wardrobe and I could clearly see this figure. A silhouette of a tall man in a long black coat, black hair, no face, and bright white eyes staring down at me. I stayed downstairs for a week after that. As strange as it sounds, I got used to this figure in my wardrobe. There was clearly no room in there for someone to squeeze into the wardrobe, but somehow there would always be this massive figure inside. I would hear scratching sounds and bumping sounds, but I would never see it leave the wardrobe. About a year later, my brother was discharged from the army, training on medical grounds, and had ended up moving back in with us. I was now in the room next to my old room, and he had that one. One day, I told him about the wardrobe, which was still in here, which was still in there, and he had told me he had experienced the exact same thing when he was my age. Scary Tijuana Story by Scienter18 This happened in 2000 or 2001. I had just moved to SoCal for college. My roommate and I, both males in our early 20s, thought it would be fun to drive into Mexico because it was not far away, maybe just a couple of hours at most by car, and we had never been. One Saturday late morning, we had made the drive into Tijuana. 
parked and immediately hit a bar slash restaurant. It was around 1 or 2 p.m. We ate tacos and drank a lot of beer and tequila. We got pretty faded as this place was called Senior Frogs or something like that. I think we had cigars too. After a couple of hours, we exited onto the street pretty drunken and in very good spirits. It was still daylight, maybe mid-afternoon. I think our plan was to hang out a while longer than drive back home at dusk once we sobered up a bit. We were approached on the street by a very friendly Hispanic male. He was very short, maybe 5'2", Joe Pesci style, approximately 30s in age and stocky. He was literally dressed like Louie from Revenge of the Nerds. He may have also had glasses on. He was very friendly and presented himself as like a tour guide. Hey, you guys not from around here? Let me show you guys the local spots. It's that kind of presentation. My first impression was very friendly and we disregarded him and said no thank you. At first, I, I didn't really notice anything to be scared of. He was dressed like a stereotypical nerd and I guess he did have some pretty hardcore tattoos on his neck. Still, I was not scared of him. Just didn't want to pay for this service. We kept walking and were in a busy part of town with a lot of people, so we really were not concerned about him at all. But he kept on just following us around, trying to make chit-chat about what bars or clubs were the best. It just seemed like he was a promoter or something. We were kind of aimlessly walking and he began to recommend different strip joints which we also disregarded. Slowly it seemed we were walking more and more into the outskirts of town unknowingly. I don't know how this happened but he was already right there following us the entire time. I don't recall how but he was finally able to get us interested in a particular strip joint. He pointed it out and said it was probably the best or something. Maybe just because he was relentless, we agreed to walk over and go in. Oddly, we couldn't get in as my roommate didn't have his ID on him when we had just been drinking without issues. We ultimately walked away from this place and the follower began to ask if we had any interest in drugs and he rattled off the name of a few. This was the first time he had mentioned drugs. Like an idiot, I said I was interested in a drug he had mentioned. He said follow me and then led us toward a nearby bar, which was now really on the outskirts of town. On the walk over, my roommate quietly asked me what the hell I was doing buying drugs from this guy but we continued. I told him it was fine. We walked into this crappy two-story bar and he told my roommate to wait at the bar. He and I walked into the bathroom. I recall walking into a bathroom stall with him and him asking how much drugs I wanted. I said $20 worth, which was all the money I had on me. I gave him the $20 and the bathroom door opened shortly thereafter. Some random guy came in and gave the tour guide a small bag of drugs. He then gave them to me. I looked at it quickly and it seemed legit. I put it into my pocket. Well, I guess it's time to get out of here, right? Well, this guy is kind of in my way, so I make a move to pass him and say thank you. And he said something like, Hold on a second, what about that $20 you owe me? I said I already gave it to you. And he reached into his pocket, I remember this clear as day, and pulled out a pathetic crumpled up $1 bill and said, Nah, you just gave me a dollar. I literally was crapping my pants at this point. I told him I didn't have any more money, which was true. The bathroom door opened and my roommate walked in and began to use the urinal on the other side from us. I felt relief he was nearby. The tour guide was telling me something about, does your friend have money? I told him I didn't know. And the tour guide suggested that we go to the ATM. I agreed and told my roommate to follow us. We were now back on the street in daylight following him to an ATM. My roommate didn't understand what was going on. I was whispering to him to give me $20, but he was saying he didn't have it. He may have suspected something weird was going on. We were getting back into a part of town with more people on the streets, which was comforting. I kept asking my roommate to just give me $20 so I can get this guy off our back. He finally gave me 20 Just as we were nearing an ATM, I turned confidently to our tour guide, partly because we were now on the street with more people around, and gave him the $20 with the remark, Here's your $20, now screw off. 
He immediately grabbed the $20 and shoved it into his pocket. He demanded more money. We began walking away from him in another direction but towards a populated shopping area. He stuck right behind us and was saying scary things that I can't quite remember. He seized my right wrist there. I had a watch on there that cost about 150 bucks. I wrenched my arm away and we kept walking at a brisk pace. Now, a lot of people were around and I quickly took the watch off and put it in my cargo shorts pocket. I passed by a market and two Hispanic males exited in front of us as we passed them. The tour guide yelled something at them and spoke to them briefly and then all three of them were suddenly running at us. The cholos spinned me around and tried to pin me onto the side of the wall. The tour guide approached and put a big ballpoint pen to my neck. It hurt. One of the other guys began looking for the watch and I stopped him and simply retrieved it to give it to him. Once this happened, they fought for it and my roommate and I ran away. I looked back over my shoulder and they were literally fighting each other for this watch. A metal swatch watch. It was nothing. We got to our car, tossed the drugs, and drove back across the border safely. I have only been back to Mexico one other time, in Rosarito Beach, and that time was also messed up by a lot of people that are similar to this. Chasing in a Maze by Otherwise Add 1747 A few years ago, I entered the University of Lausanne to enter my medical studies. I had just arrived in the city and even in the country. I was very excited to start my year, to discover the university, to meet new people, etc. Everything was going great until the end of the third week. Friday, sometime around 9pm, I leave the library. I say goodbye to my friends and start to go home. The pace of work was already very intense so we had been working all day and I was in a rush to get home. It was my favorite part of the day because I got to put on my music, take the subway, and then the train. It gives me a chance to rest and catch up with my thoughts. Anyway, that night it was so cold, there was no one left outside. It takes me about 7 minutes to walk from the library to the subway. I'm walking quietly with my music in my ears when suddenly I get a shiver that runs down my body from head to toe. I start to feel comfortable as if someone was watching me. And at that point, I pause my music and decide to not turn around to check in case the person is trying to be inconspicuous and if I notice them, I was fearful that something might happen. I don't want to run either because I'm not sure if I can run faster and I don't know exactly where to go. At this point, we pass a glass building so I decide to look inside and pretend I'm fixing my hair. I quickly glance in the corner of my eye and my blood runs cold. There is someone walking a few feet behind me in a hoodie. I try to reassure myself that he was just finishing work and going home, and that he is cold and that is why he is wearing his hoodie, and there are no houses for civilians for quite some time. I decide to send a message to my mother saying, Come and get me in front of the insert name of the building, please. I really don't feel safe. It is important to know that the university is 30 minutes away by car from my house. At this point, I don't find another solution and I decide to take refuge in a building while waiting for my mother to come and get me. As I was about to go back, I opened the door, took off my helmet, and went down the stairs to find a hiding place. We entered by the third floor. I thought I was out of trouble when suddenly I hear the door I came through open. This time, I am sure he is after me. But since I'm new, I don't know this building and where it leads. I run downstairs at full speed and I hear him behind me. I can hear this guy's footsteps running down the stairs at full speed as well. 
I run without looking back, being sure that he is running faster than I can, and that he will catch up with me. I don't even know where I'm going, but I pray that I don't fall into a dead end. Looking back, I even think that it was like that scene in The Shining with the labyrinth. I don't know how far ahead of him I was, so I opened a window in the hallway to make it look like I was out of there, and opened a little door further. It was a huge auditorium, and it was pitch dark. I went down the stairs and hid under a desk. I put my phone on silent, and did my best to hide. My mom had been texting me a lot asking me what was going on and saying she was on her way with my dad. I texted her I'm in insert name of building. He is looking for me, please come quickly. I hid under the desk thinking I was screwed. My hiding place sucked and he was going to find me any second. Then, I heard a thud and a huge scream, and I don't think I've ever been so scared in my life when I heard that scream. For 15 minutes my mother was sending me messages telling me to hang on. And at the end of those 15 long minutes waiting for him to find me, I finally got the message from my mom saying that she's here, and she has the police. They are going to enter the building and they need to know where I am. I just tell them I'm on the second floor because I had no idea where I was and after two minutes I heard the door of the auditorium open and it was the police coming after me. Once I got out, they took my statement and they said they would check out the university management. The next day, they contacted us and said that they saw on the surveillance cameras that there was indeed someone who had followed me. Apparently, there were no cameras inside that particular building though. You can't see the guy's face and therefore, we don't know who it is. They just sadly said that the security was going to do patrols at night and advised me to do something. They just said that security was going to do patrols at night and advised me to have someone with me when I'm out. Battlefield Horror Story by Brandon D. Hello all. For some context, I'm a 19-year-old male and this story takes place on a national battlefield. Prairie Grove Park in northern Arkansas to be specific, right in the Ozark Mountain. Now, to begin the actual story. On an early December weekend, I and hundreds of others would participate in a reenactment on Prairie Grove, Arkansas. My friends and a group of other people that were all around my age always tried to have fun on these weekends, either going to a dance, drinking, or just walking around during scheduled times. It is a lot of fun. The weekend started as usual. Friday, everyone showed up and I met with all my buddies. After we all got dressed and formed up a... After we all got dressed and formed up into a battalion, we marched off to our camps. Nothing eventful happened Friday night as many of us were tired from driving many miles. We slept in big tents. Friday night to keep warm from the icy winds. Saturday started typically as well. We did a battle for the spectators, chilled around camp, and enjoyed ourselves. Come Saturday night though, my life would be on the verge of death. After the battle, they sent my battalion into picket, which all that is is taking post and watching for the enemy. When it was my company's turn for picket duty, it was around 1am and they usually lasted about an hour and a half. My partner and I were stationed on the furthest end of the line of pickets and our left side was unprotected. Around 30 minutes in, we heard footsteps to the left of us. We gathered our rifles and kept alert for any enemy pickets. After 15 or so minutes, and not hearing anything else, we let our guards down and rested. I lighted my pipe and began to enjoy myself, and then suddenly, we heard a scream come from behind us, then one from in front of us. 
something was running through the tall grass we were guarding. We could barely see anything but could see a massive dog-looking shadow illuminated by the moonlight. We called to the other pickets to fall back to our officer, but before I could start returning, a huge rock was thrown at my back behind me. I fell and the wind was taken from me. I could see my partner running while I tried grasping for air. I could see my partner running while I tried gasping for air. As I looked to where the rock could have come from, I was frozen out of fear. A seven-foot-tall black creature was standing in the tall grass before me. It was pale, wild with black eyes, just a slit for nostrils, and a smile as big as its head. Its arms were far longer than they should have been for its size, and its claws dripped with blood. I could only imagine where the blood came from. After just a few seconds, but it felt like an eternity, it took a step forward. I instantly came conscious then and reached for my rifle, hoping to defend myself with my bayonet. I stood up, legs trembling so badly that I felt like I would collapse. I ran. I ran as fast as I could. I could hear this creature behind me. It made a loud, heavy noise with every step that it took. I could feel this thing's breath on my neck. Too scared to turn around, I kept running until I reached my company. I nearly cried from the adrenaline rush and fright. They were wondering just what the hell was going on. They didn't see or hear anything chasing me, but I could see the fear in my partner's eyes. That night, they didn't make anyone else go on picket duty. I did not sleep that night, not a wink. Too scared that that creature would return. I stayed around the fire, not out of warmth, but security. When the morning arose, I found three six-inch long cuts in the back of my coat. When I had gotten the courage to go back to the scene with a few buddies, of course we found a dead deer where I was stationed. It had three cuts across its body. I decided to pack up and leave right then and there. The drive back home was silent. All I could think about was the creature. I did not get much sleep the nights afterward either, putting a toll on my grades. I barely passed the semester due to sleep deprivation. Finally, I decided to take a six-month break from reenacting to gather my confidence to sleep outside again. I know one thing is for sure, that I will never return to that reenactment ever again, fearing what I met will not be so merciful next time. The Stalker by Bubble Bus I was 16 years old, and my friends, Evan and Jake, wanted to rent a hotel room for the night since it was spring break. We got to the hotel and checked in. It had a funky smell, but we stayed there anyway. Once we got to our room, it was about 3pm, so we decided to go swimming. The pool was downstairs, departed from the hotel. Once we got to the entrance, there was a man that was at least 6 foot 3 in all black and a hood covering his face, just kind of facing us. I panicked a little bit, but not out loud. We got into the pool and swam for a few hours until we saw the man just sitting there in the chair, just staring at us. I cleared my throat. Can I help you, sir? I asked. We got no response. I still was a little paranoid, but my face... I put my face in the water and at the bottom of the pool there was another black figure. I screamed like a little girl and ran for the door. I looked back and saw nothing, not the guy in the chair or anybody under the pool. My friends thought I was seeing things, but I thought what I saw was clear as day. I didn't feel like swimming anymore, so I decided to get dinner at a nearby restaurant. I got a table for my friends and me to sit at. 
and there I once again saw the man in all black on the other side of the dining room, staring at me once again. At this point, I have had enough. I went over there, lost track of him, and he took off. After we ate, I decided this trip has gone too far and we should leave tomorrow morning, but my friends didn't like that idea. Once it was 10.30, my friends and I dozed off in the hotel room. I woke up to some noises. I saw a shadow figure at the end of my bed. I calmed myself down and told myself that it was just my hat that I had put there before I went to bed. I went to bed and woke up again 30 minutes later to more noises. I was getting thirsty, so I reached under the bed and tried to grab my water bottle. But I grabbed something and was shocked by what I had caught. It was my hat. I was now even more scared. I couldn't help but scream when I heard a voice by my ear say, you're a bitch. I jumped out of bed and realized there were two men right there, dressed all in black. I tried to fight them, but it was no use. Once they grabbed me and dragged me out of the room, I tried to scream, but the guy was covering my mouth. I passed out and woke up on a stretcher. Those guys knifed me while I passed out and someone caught them, but the doctor said no one could see the guys who had gotten me. To this day, I have a nightlight at night and I am always on guard. Thanks for listening to these creepy and downright strange and allegedly true, true scary horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to slap that like button senseless, subscribe if you're new as it helps the channel grow, and be sure to comment down below letting me know what story was your favorite tonight. I'd love to see the discussion. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or at reddit on r slash the dark swamp. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp and stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or Spotify, please give this a 5 star rating over there as it helps the show grow immensely. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite swamp dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online.